Now Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, and he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Kate was sharing where we are in, in this journey between the resurrection and Pentecost. Uh, I seem to remember there's something like 500 people saw Jesus during this time. Um, and it's interesting how things change. You know, from that declaration when the women go back to the disciples and they said, this is nonsense. And then on the road to Emmaus where, yeah, two of the followers are confused. They're upset, they're worried. And yet at the end of that time with Jesus, they say, we were strangely warned. And that develops. Um, In the passage in John before uh, what we're going to look at, (coughs) Jesus appears to the disciples. Um, I guess there were probably 10 of them, although there may have been others as well. Uh, Thomas wasn't there. And he appears to them. And at the end... He says, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's been this progression as they come to know more and more about Jesus. But here we are in uh, John 20, verses 21, sorry, 24 that we're going to look at. Um, Yeah, I don't know how much the expression doubting Thomas is used today. Uh, certainly as I was growing up, it was very common. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of one of those expressions that slips into more common usage. I can remember my mother saying to me, you're a right doubting Thomas, you. Yeah, it's the way it was used. So um, I think when we set out the program, uh, it was headed up as Thomas the Realist. So we've got doubting Thomas and we've got Thomas the Realist. So a bit of audience participation here. So I want hands up if you are in favour of doubting Thomas or whether you think it's Thomas the realist. So can I hear those for doubting Thomas? Okay. 
Thomas the realist? It's a bit difficult to tell. Um, It's balanced, which is probably good because then it means I can follow what I've been preparing, yes? Um, (laughs) So so what do we know about Thomas? Um, He features about eight times uh, in the Synoptic Gospels and then in John. Four of those are just in lists. And the lists may be in a different order, but Thomas that is in them all the time. So what that tells us is that he was there probably from the very beginning. He spent three years with Jesus, going through the teaching, the ministry, sitting at his feet, hearing things. Um, He was probably a fisherman. And outside the Bible, the the church tradition is that he was martyred uh, in India. Um, But it's as we look in John that we really start to get an understanding of who he was. And before we get to the passage we're looking at today, um, at the time of the death of Lazarus, Jesus is saying, we must go to Lazarus. And the other disciples are saying, but you were stoned nearly to death when you were there. Um, And so there's some resistance from the other disciples. But Thomas says... Let us also go that we might die with him. And then later on, uh, where Jesus is comforting the disciples and trying to explain what is going to happen and where he's going, um, Thomas speaks up. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So as we come to John 20, I've got a picture of someone who is honest, and he's plain speaking. So John 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He wasn't there. He wasn't a member of the club. So how did he feel? Did he feel as though he'd been overlooked? Was he feeling he was an outsider? We don't know, and we've got to be careful sometimes what we read into the text. But he must have been feeling something there. And the other disciples came up to him and said, we have seen the Lord. Well, that probably made him feel even (laughs) worse. And of course, his response is a very famous one, yeah? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side... I will not be with you. You know, how is he saying that? Is he the skeptic? Is he the doubter? Is he wanting to know the truth? Is there a deep longing in him? And he wants to see Jesus. And for him, that means getting the evidence. And then Jesus appears. A week later when they're all together. It's very much the same as the, the previous week. The doors are barred because uh, there's concern about persecution by the Jews. But Jesus is there. And he says to them, peace be with you. Now this is the kind of traditional Jewish greeting. But you know, at least when I was doing some study for this, 
it was said that when Jesus says that, it's much more. It's pointing ahead to salvation. It's pointing to wellness and wholeness. And he comes and he says, peace be with you. And he turns to Thomas and he says, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I don't know whether it's the stop doubting is where the name comes from. Doubting Thomas. So Jesus has really summarized what Thomas had requested uh, when he was saying to the disciples the previous week. And I don't know how that impacted Thomas, whether it's that, you know, there's a connection. Hang on, Jesus wasn't there, but he's, he heard what I said even then. Uh, and he's seen Jesus. Um, was it the sight of Jesus that really impacted him? Because the point is that Jesus didn't want to leave Thomas where he was in his doubt. I think the only reason that Jesus came again here and why it's recorded is because Jesus didn't want to leave Thomas in his doubt. He'd already seen and appeared to the other disciples the week before. And the only response from Thomas is my Lord and my God. I think that this is the first expression of uh, after the um, resurrection of Jesus as lordship and his divinity. And, you know, Thomas is just so taken up with that. That is his only response. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. At this time, there were very few people who had actually seen Jesus. So he's really pointing ahead to us, to the people who would come afterwards, who would follow him, to us, to the people who have still to know him. What do you believe? Kate read on into um, 30 and 31, which I think is very important. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I think it's so important to not stop at the doubting Thomas, but to look ahead at, about belief. Because belief's important. What you believe produces what you think, it produces what you say, and it moves into action as well. The, the Apostles' Creed um, is a great summary of what Christians believe. Credo, I trust and I believe. I believe in the Creator God. 
I believe that Jesus came as the Son of God, that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary and took full human form. I believe that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Those are some of the words. And if you take time to think about them, they are so deep. But for the people today, there's also something about the Holy Spirit. Because we'll be working towards Pentecost. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. And we have that. We have that blessing, that privilege. Because that, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, equips us to do what God wants us to do for the purposes that he's created us for. There are lots of scriptures about the importance of belief. Um, In Romans 12, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. There are some takeaways that I really want to emphasize here uh, for everyone in the room. And I mean, I recognize a lot of faces, so there are many people who are members of the church. Uh, There may be some people here who don't know uh, Jesus, but perhaps you're here because you're searching. Well, I'd say keep listening, right? Don't turn off. Uh, Because I think there's something for all of us here. I think that the first question or the first takeaway that I'd want to give you is that doubts and questions are okay. They're not a sign of weakness. They're not a sign that you're not a full member of the club or anything like that. The important thing is how you deal with those questions. Right? And my, what I want to say to you is you don't deal with them alone, okay? My experience, if you try and deal with doubts and questions alone, then you're in trouble because you start to think the worst things. But if you have doubts or questions, then go to people you trust, whether that's the elders, whether it's uh, if you're in a home group, go to members of your home group, go to a a Christian who is experienced in life and whom you trust. Go to them and talk to them and wrestle through with those questions because I believe that's what God wants us to do. I think the, um, the other thing that came through to me as I was studying was how Jesus met Thomas where he was in his doubt. He didn't ridicule him. He knew what was on his heart. I think what Thomas was really earnestly seeking for truth. He wasn't looking to resist the truth. He was searching for it. And so I think when we meet people who have doubts and questions, we should also be compassionate. We should create a space a place where they can come and feel safe asking questions that they may be embarrassed about. 
The other thing that I want to um, say, and I really am speaking here to uh, uh, members of the church here and Christians who are visiting, is about feed your beliefs. Okay? So we're not saying that you don't believe these things. You, you've, you believe in that Jesus Christ is Lord. But as we go through life, we get knocks. We, um, it's a pretty difficult time at the moment. It's a bit chaotic. So what you believe can get challenged and knocked. Um, so it's important that as well as going to uh, brothers and sisters that you can talk about is that you, you feed on the word of God. You let the word of God um, teach you and deal with those beliefs because um, what do you fill your mind with? I think um, in Romans it says, uh, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind. And I think, you know, that really speaks to the fact that, hey, it's not, everything's okay, and then you don't need to do anything. It's about that you, you're constantly being transformed. And the ways that I believe you're transformed is how you feed on the word of God, how you talk to brothers and sisters about your faith, about how you worship, right? I mean, that's part of a way of feeding what you believe. And so I would just urge you to create the time, the space, whatever it takes to feed what you believe. And for people um, who are here who don't know Jesus, um, we want to help you with your questions and with your doubts. Whatever they are, I can guarantee, although I don't know how you'd prove it, that there is no question, no doubt, that anyone has here that somebody else has not already experienced. Right? It's one of the ways, actually, that I believe that Satan gets hold of Christians to make them somehow that the, the problem that they have is unique. That is not the case. So we want to help you with any questions or doubts. So at the end of this service, if you want to talk about that, there'll be people up in the far corner who'd be delighted to talk to you. And we, we want to bring you to that point where you too can say, my Lord and my God. I just want to finish in prayer, if I can, everyone here. Father God, I pray for all the people who are here. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be at work in them, bringing to mind any questions that they might have, any doubts. Father, minister to them, I pray. Help them to find people to talk to 
who will help them with those questions. Lord, I pray that for people who are members of the church and other believers who are here. And Lord, I ask especially that for anyone who is here, who is searching for you, who like Thomas may have doubts, may have questions, but is searching, that there is a longing in their heart. Lord, I pray that you will touch them and that you will bring them into people, with people, Lord, who can answer those questions. Amen. So, I'm not going to do another poll about whether it's, um, is it to- Doubting Thomas, or is it uh, Thomas the Realist? Uh, I think, if you want to put a name on it, I think Thomas was the honest searcher, because he was searching for truth, and he battled through uh, any doubts and questions that he had, and Jesus came to him uh, and provided the reassurance the evidence that was needed to bring Thomas to that point where he could fall on his knees and say, my Lord and my God. Okay, thank you.